Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse Eight. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse Eight and Kate will break it down for you now. A lady. I like sushi. <laughs> That's one way of starting. I was gonna. I was actually going to transition into the sushi myself, but you have managed just, to proceed. I just went me. straight there. In the game of trying to talk about sushi first, I like sushi. Kate for the win. <laughs> yes, we uh we have just returned from making it, like yeah. like pros. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're so good at our sushi making. We know how to roll them. I gave myself a C plus. Not yep. the best. Mine was not the best either. But still delicious. Yeah. No, they were incredibly and let's be tasty. Honest, it's all going to the same place anyway. Well, and here's the thing. We didn't have to make the rice, which I think yeah. is honestly the hardest part of making sushi, is getting the rice, just that deliciousness and stickiness. Yeah. And uh, yes, and we didn't do it perfectly, obviously. We, we didn't have running water for the knife. Uh, so the cutting was a bit of a problem. A little bit. A little bit. But uh, in the end... It was, it was a very yummy evening. Thank you for inviting me out. No problem. Very good. Very good. Now, uh, now, now how did I begin this podcast uh, just now? Good lady. Oh, lady. Oh, lady. Oh, lady, I said. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Who are you? Oh, I'm Kate. Oh, I'm Betsy. We're both ladies. Oh, we are. Good okay. ones? Uh, sure. <laughs> like, what's the sliding scale here? I mean, like, compared to what? I mean, we like, could put an ish at the end if you want. Sure. Ish. I'm always more comfortable with ish. Good ish. Yeah. There was a book, a picture book called Ish by Peter Reynolds. Fun fact of the day, folks. That's a good one. Um, yes. Yeah, so we do a podcast. Yep. We talk about books. Children's books. Children's picture books. Yep. And we discuss how good they are. <laughs> On the scale of making a sushi roll, is it perfectly tight and awesome that everyone should try? With no little grains of rice sticking out on the sides? Or is it a big fat mess that you should avoid at all costs? Like it's and... not even stuck together. Like it's just bleh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing a lot of tight little rolls, one might say. True. Yeah. A lot of classics. A lot of classics. Yeah. It's time to shake things up. Okay. All right. So, uh, to go back to my previous statement, I began by saying, oh, lady. Because remember, we were trying to do a little more of the ladies. Uh-huh. A conscious choice. Yes. Because we are good people. Because I'm tired of everything being written by dudes. There is also that. Uh, yes, yeah, so I decided to do uh, a famous lady. Uh, it's kind of a cheat, because we've done this lady before. And I figured we should do her again, because this is kind of a book that pairs with a previous book we've done. I only know three ladies that we've done. Yes, it's one of those. Okay. All right, so I'm going to get out of the book. Uh-huh. Drum roll, please. Or thunder, I can't tell. It's a very rainy day. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. The Runaway Bunny. By? Margaret Wise Brown. Pictures by? Clement Hurd. Yep, same duo that brought you Goodnight Moon. Wait, I thought you said we weren't doing a classic. Uh, No, we're doing a classic. I didn't say we weren't doing a classic. But a good classic? Or oh, a- that you'll have to determine for yourself. Okay. This little old book is a little more divisive. One might say than your uh, than your standard good night moon. Is there racism? 
Sadly, no. <laughs> we are. We have no no racist bunnies. We do a lot one. of racist. Books, we do a lot of racist books. Uh, um, sexism. And, you know, in terms of bunny books, yeah. Anti-Semitic. Uh, what do you got here? I got. I've got. Oh, I've got. Um, white supremacy. I see two white bunnies on the front. <laughs> no, though there was a famous case of a picture book called *The Rabbit's Wedding*, where a black bunny married a white bunny, and it would cause a huge stir in the '60s. But that's another story for another day. No, 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 no. This is this is just a tale of a mommy bunny and her baby bunny. What could be, what could be weird about that? Nothing. Nothing could be weird about it. Here, why didn't you, why didn't you read oh, that book? Man, why didn't you read that book, huh? Maybe. Why'd you go read it? Go read it, Kate. Go read it. While Kate's doing her read, it's time for fun facts about Margaret Wise Brown. All right. So this is true. I want to tell you a true story. This is a personal story. This story involves me. Oh, it's fun. It also involves Margaret Wise Brown. All right. Step with me back in time. To the early days of uh, Margaret Weiss Brown when she was alive and all that stuff and kicking. Um, no pun intended, if you know how she died. And she did not get along with the head of children's services uh, at the main branch of Near Public Library, Anne Carol Moore. Uh, in these stories, Anne Carol Moore is always sort of pitted as the villain against the free, loving, wonderful, crazy Margaret Weiss Brown and her kooky editor. Ursula Nordstrom. So that's usually how this kind of story is told. Now, prim evil librarian versus fun children's people. Um, I'm actually teen Anne Carol Moore in a lot of these cases, but don't tell anybody. So one day, Anne Carol Moore was going to do her regular thing, which was that she had a big event every year uh, where they invited all the children's authors that she thought was good, and they had a big old celebration. And apparently, Margaret Wise Brown never got an invite and possibly Ursula Nordstrom didn't get an invite. Now, for this story to make sense, you have to understand that they blocked the steps that people would use to get into the library to attend this thing. Now, fast forward many, many years, and uh, a whole bunch of folks in New York City, I was one of them, decided to reenact this event where, where tea was sipped on the steps outside uh, by Margaret Wise Brown and Ursula Nordstrom to block the people as they came, or where they have to be stepped around, not, not to, just to inconvenience them more than anything else. Now, unfortunately, we did it on the front steps, where the big lions are, um, but clearly, clearly, they would have been sitting on the side steps on 42nd Street. I mean, think about it. There's only one entrance there. It goes straight to the children's room. Clearly, that's where they would have been sitting. I'm still, to this day, just a little teeny bit peeved. We did not sit on those steps that we went to the front steps, but that's neither here nor there. The point of the story is that Margaret Wise Brown could be super annoying and place herself right in people's way if she wanted to. That's the moral of the story. Some people may think there's another moral story. <laughs> They're wrong. That's the moral. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I really just read the book of Little Bunny. Uh, Cute little bunny. Uh, what could be weird about this book? <laughs> you know, I remember vaguely pictures of this book from being a kid. Yeah. But I didn't quite understand the scope. Oh, the scope is a good way of putting it. Of how creepy <laughs> it is. What? 
This is a story of a mother's love. How dare you find this book creepy? There's love and then there's... Obsession. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not to the point of, like, carrying a ladder on your car and... No, 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 no. We do, need to, we do need to put these in context. Yes, there are, there are some books where a mother's love goes the other level, let's right. say. Yeah, and this does not get into Hitchcockian territory. Maybe Fellini territory? It's a little strange. So let's start. Let's from start the at the start. Yeah. So my first question, because on the very first page, the little bunny says, "I'm running away." Just doing it. You, go. Did you ever run away when you were a kid? No. You never attempted it. No. I didn't either. My husband did when he was uh, four. Uh, he packed his suitcase full of comic books and intended to live uh, in the grassy portion next to the mall. Okay. And uh, yeah. Why? Uh, he was mad about something. Yeah, I want to know why this bunny yeah. wants to run away. Maybe it was the suffocating home in which he lived. Maybe. It's possible. You know, usually kids are mad about something when they want to run away. Right. I mean, we don't really know the age of this bunny. We don't. We know he's a bunny, and he's small. And we know that he will do anything he can to get away from his mother. <laughs> yes. He will conjure up... He will become a fish and yes. swim away, mm -hmm. and she will become a fisherman and fish after him. Well, now, here's the interesting thing. When he becomes these things, he doesn't really become them. He's just a bunny with some fish-like aspects. Yeah. Everything he becomes is just another version of a bunny. Right. Yeah. And then you get this rather lovely two-page spread of her fishing with a carrot... I thought that was very clever. I do. And I like that. And the waders up to her hips. Yeah, and I like the... Um, She's fly fishing. How it goes into, you know, this fictional idea, and it's all in color, it's mm -hmm. watercolor, it's beautiful. This is all the work of the illustrator. But it is some creepy red eyes that she has. Well, to be fair, White Bunny's got creepy red eyes. But this is just... Yeah. When I mean, you have no, already the creepiness of a mother yeah. chasing after you... And she has red eyes. Does he have red eyes? I can't even tell. No. But he, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because that would be weird. Maybe in the other ones, <laughs> but not in this fishing one. Yeah. It does sort of assume that you know that bunnies have red eyes. Right. Yeah. So then we get to, okay, well, he's going to be a mountain, and he, he'll be a rock on a mountain, and she will be a mountain climber. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm wondering... What's going on here? Do we need to bring in, like, Bunny Protective Services here? And the, uh, the BPS? And, the BPS. Oh, and nice. see what's going on here? Because... Okay, again, wordless two-page spread. You have a little rock with the head of a bunny. You know what this reminds me of, though? Was it? Monty Python. Oh, which part? Oh, oh! You sharp, mean... pointy, pointy teeth. Teeth. Well, then this could go real dark real fast. <laughs> and on the third day... Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what the bunny becomes. Like, you know, this little bunny Maybe. became the bunny from It's true. Uh, How does one become such a homicidal bunny? What would drive you there? Yeah. <laughs> so the bunny says, Okay, well, um, if you become a mountain climber, then I'm gonna be a crocus hidden I, in a garden. That is so specific. Yeah, not a flower. Not a flower. A crocus. Specifically the the flower that only comes up in the early, early spring and then disappears. For the rest of the year. And then we get to kind of your stories made horrific. Oh, um, yeah. Only it's in the book. You know, You're, I didn't even think to look this one up there. That's my bad. You don't have to. Because yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me read you the line here. Sure. Go for that. I will be a gardener 
and I will find you. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's uh, creepy. Well then, get the red eyes again. The yeah. red eyes. All right, so I did show this book to my kids, well, and it was at this two-page spread that my daughter thought. This is actually pretty good in terms of trying to find the bunny. I did like this, yeah. She said it was very difficult for her to find that bunny at first in that crocus. And I remember being a kid try, thinking about, okay, yeah. oh yeah, it's the part where you try and find the bunny. It is funny yeah. that you do kind of find the bunny when he's a rock, but it's not really the purpose of these two-page things to be a seek-and-find. But right. it works. In, yeah. this, in this case, it works, yeah. But it's... Farmer Mama. Yeah. I... I... I yeah. Gotta kill a red hat, though. You gotta give her that. Well, she had a red hat when she was uh, climbing the mountain. Oh, she just likes... Well, they, they match and her... And she's got the red bag. Because they match her eyes. Because they match her scary, scary <laughs> eyes. Yeah, but at least she coordinated. But I found my new tattoo. Oh, what's your new tattoo? It's the bunny bird. Yeah, the bunny bird's pretty sweet. Right? I gotta say. And I, it's a little weird to me that we don't see bunny birds in children's books all that often. Because... Bunnies with wings are just awesome. Yeah, so... In the future, when we have our genetically modified pets... Right. Bunny birds. Bunny birds would be pretty That's cool. going to be, like, number one. They're fluffy and they fly? They fluffy and they fly. What more do you want? I guess for them to work, they'd have to be enormous wings, but... but and worth these, it. And these are enormous wings. Yeah, they, there you go. The bunny says, well, I will become them. a bird and I'll fly away. And the mother says that she will become a tree that you can come home to. Yeah, that is a creepy tree. Yeah, at least that. it doesn't have red eyes, though. Yeah. You could imagine, like, red berries coming out <laughs> of that bush. At that point, they eschewed the red. But, I mean, this is this is starting to get a little... This is the page where I'm like, okay, we just, we've gone into the overbearing okay. point here. Yeah. Where the bunny says, you, you become point. a tree, I will become a little sailboat, and I will sail away from you. And the mother says, if you become a sailboat and sail away from me... I will become the wind and blow you wherever I want you to go. <laughs> like Mama establishes her claim. She's this is overbearing. Yeah, she's this like, is like she's telling her kid, "I will put you, you wherever I want to put yeah, you." Like it is true. And then, but I do love that his ears become the sails. Yeah, and then and Mama doesn't look creepy as the wind. She just looks like. Because clouds can't have red eyes. That's this why. Exactly, yeah, this is kind of true. Yeah. But I do like the... On, he's the, a, he's on the top flag. of his sails, there's a flag. There's a flag. Do you have a flag? <laughs> no yeah. flag, no boat. <laughs> Those are the rules I just made up. I just made up. Yep. That's a, that's, a, that's a clever little picture there. But why Betsy? Why? Like, 45 out of 50 times, mm -hmm. you give me a book. Yeah. There is no clown in this yes. book. Yes. There is. There is no clown in this book. Oh, but there is. No. Because the bunny runs away to the circus. Oh, shoot. He ran away to the circus. Yeah. Oh, I forgot he ran away to the circus. Where's the clown? Right there, my friend. Okay, so it has no nose. To be fair, it has any nose. Like, usually they have a red nose. This clown doesn't have a face. This clown has a very prominent black outlined face for no reason. Oh, okay, that is a nose, I guess. There. It's a little hard to tell since the eyeballs seem to be below it. This is a very weird picture. That might be an ear. Why, Betsy? Why? Why? Because I can't see them. You don't see the I creepy, see creepy clowns? The, I don't see the clowns you see. You see clowns where I can't see them. I also kind of like this monkey, though. The monkey's pretty awesome. But I'm still going with Bird Bunny as my tattoo. Okay. No, 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 no. Don't go with the monkey. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. And then we come to the Goodnight Moon page. Yes. Well, 
And now, fun facts of the day. This book came out before Goodnight Moon. Oh. Which is why you will find parts of it in Goodnight Moon. That picture of Mama fishing is a picture on the wall in Goodnight Moon, as is this cow jumping over the moon. Uh, as, in a way, is this great green room. And you know, mm. since this came out before Goodnight Moon, mm -hmm. this is the ghost <laughs> grandmother, Betsy. And, but she's alive. The, you got the oh, knitting. Oh, no. Yeah. We are seeing so... the live... Grand, the so grandmother. she has continued to haunt her child's well, child. Her child's child. Her child's child. She's that overbearing. It's, that's kind of the curse of the family. Yeah. Is that the grandmother will never stop haunting the littlest body. She'll always be there. Rocking. Rocking. This is so creepy. Well, now it's creepy. <laughs> that is fascinating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Because I think, I'm pretty sure if you look at the pictures mm -hmm. of the grandmother in Goodnight Moon, the ghost grandmother, uh -uh. she's wearing this. She's wearing a similar, it's not identical, um, but it is similar. Yes. I should say, the weird, okay, here's the weird thing that I've never understood. She must have died in her other nightgown then, because, yeah. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> Get that. Ooh, the spirit. weird is dead. Ghost bunnies. Who knew? The weird thing about the fact that this book comes out before Goodnight Moon is that the whole story about Goodnight Moon that I always heard was that it was originally people, that it was not bunnies, and that eventually they were just like, Screw it, let's do bunnies. But they clearly had already done bunnies, so why not just do bunnies from the start? Clearly you were good at bunnies, because this book was actually kind of a hit when it came out. Really? Yeah, I was. Well, I think in version one of writing this, <laughs> the bunny did not say, shucks. <laughs> I love the shucks. <laughs> but that's my fine, that's like one of my words that I love. Shucks. Golly! I might as well just stay where I am and be your little bunny because yeah. I have no choice because you're going to haunt me everywhere I go and you're always going to be overprotective and overbearing and I will never get away from you. That's a lot of words. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, actually, by the way, that you're right, that the first, probably the first version it was not Chucks because Margaret Wise Brown was a bit of a ribald woman. So, yeah. Probably yeah. wasn't Chucks. Probably not. Probably not. And then uh, the mother bunny says, good, have a carrot. With the weirdest ending. I'm sorry. Now, okay, I had to look up this ending because this ending just is so bizarre. And then, yay! And then you have a carrot. carrot. Yeah, there the we go. end. <laughs> well, we we answered so that question of if he was gonna get a carrot or not. So the problem was solved by just stuffing his face with food. Solve your problems with food, folks. That's the moral story. <laughs> okay, so here's the have a okay. The deal with have a carrot. All right. Apparently, Ursula Nordstrom. The director of HarperCollins' department of... It wasn't HarperCollins. It was Harper's department of books for boys and girls. Told Margaret Wise Brown that the ending needed work. And so this line was cabled in to Harper's from Maine, where Brown was on vacation. And I'm just like, really? That was the best you could... Like, I feel like this was not a serious... Oh, no, she totally phoned it in. She was like... She's on vacation. I don't think she's even, like... She even thought it was going to make it to the final cut. She's like, you need a final line. You want a final line? Have a carrot. Okay, we're running with it. No, you're not. Yeah, we are. We're running with it. Boom. Have a carrot made it to the book. That's my theory. Yeah, I think she totally phoned it in. She's she totally like, phoned it in. Bunnies. She didn't know how to end the book. How do you how do you how do you make a bunny stop talking? Put his what do you put something in his <laughs> mouth? What do they eat? Carrots. Perfect. Done. Go. <laughs> 
That's how you solve the problem. If your See, kid the problem wants with picture books is they can't do what popular songs do, where you can just like fade them out so you don't have to end the song. Yeah. You actually have to end a picture book, and there's no way to fade it out. No. Nope. Uh, it's it's but boy. Just feed it. The end. <laughs> That's how that song ends, yep. as I recall. <laughs> feed it. The end. <laughs> boop boop boop. Um, alright, so this was such a bigger hit than Good Night Moon. Um, wow. it's been in print since 1942. You're both creepy. So right there, beat it. Um, I'm gonna use that phrase for the rest of the night. Apparently, the inspiration, and I don't know how true this is, because this comes from Wikipedia, so I'm not so sure about this, but it says that the inspiration came from Chanson de Megali, a love song based on the French provincial folklore, with its call and response structure. I don't think it... I mean, I guess you could argue it has a call and response yeah. structure. I mean, he says one thing, she says another. Yeah. You could call that a he said, she said structure, but... Yeah, all right. Um, one person has argued... So I had to look up why people liked it. Uh, one person said, what's different is that the young bunny, not the mama, drives the action. The bunny tries out autonomy by running away, or at least pretending to. The bunny exercises his imagination by dreaming up new hiding places, producing fantasy fiction for toddlers, and yet the reassuring mother rabbit is always there. That's what you'll hear over and over, is that the mother is reassuring that no matter where the baby goes, he, he knows that his mother will be there. Now, that would help more if he seemed to want her See, I feel there. like if I were a teacher and I have a student who constantly says, I need to get away from home, mm -hmm. that's a big red flag. Yeah. That you should pay attention to. True. Like, True. I, uh, I, I wouldn't hmm. see that as, you know, reassuring. No. I, I would see that as problematic. I would agree with you. Yeah. Um, as would many people because this did not show up on my top 100 picture books poll. It didn't show up the first time, and it certainly didn't show up the second time. People did not vote for this book. They voted for Good Night Moon, sure. They voted for that, left, right, and central. But they did not really vote for... One or two people did, but not a significant number. Did not vote for the runaway bunny. Because you need the mom to die and be a ghost. Clearly, that was why. <laughs> I, I think if you had interviewed them, it's each and every one of them would have given that exact word-for-word word response. Or the red eyes. Too creepy. Red eyes are way too creepy. Well, and here's the kicker. Look on the cover. Her eyes are not red on That's the cover. That's false advertising. Yeah. They, because they realized it. They were like, I would love to see. See, this edition I have is not an original um, edition. I would love to get one of the 1940s editions and see whether or not the eyes were red on the original ones. Um, yeah, this one, this one apparently has, it's from 1982, whatever, later season. All right. Uh, just wanted to say, one of my favorite things in the world, I have not read this book, but this book exists, and that's what makes me happy. There's a book about this book, a very lofty, academic tome. Here's the title. Have a Carrot! Oedipal Theory and Symbolism in Margaret Wise Brown's Runaway Bunny Trilogy. <laughs> Trilogy? Uh, yeah, there is another book. That is supposed to be part of this series. It is so forgettable that I cannot even oh, you tell mean, you the like, name. This so there's this Good Night, Good Night Moon, Moon oh. and then there is a third book. Huh? I couldn't. It also has bunnies. It has a similar color scheme. I'd be really curious to see that book. I might have to track it down. It is, as I recall, it is dull as dishwater, and that is why it doesn't tend to show up on on any of these lists. But I will, I will, I will find out that book. I will track down that book. 
we will determine if there are any ghost grandmothers because maybe that's like the culmination of it all. Maybe well, we find out. First, you know, she's overbearing, mm-hmm. and then she dies, and then I don't know. But how did like... she die? That's... How did she die? Wouldn't that have to be the book in between Runaway Bunny and Goodnight Moon then? Uh, it could be. I mean, it could be between the two. I don't know what year these things came out. Interesting. It, it well could be. I'd be very curious. <laughs> Darkness and buddies. All right. Ratings time. Yeah. I'm so confused because like when you busted this book out. Oh, 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 oh. I almost forgot the best part. I retract my ratings time. What? Okay. Uh, I didn't show you my favorite thing. Oh. So, uh, do you remember when I showed you Furious George Goes yeah. Bananas? Yeah. Well, Michael Rex, he's a great guy. He didn't just do that. Oh, no, 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 no. He did Runaway Mummy. <laughs> the parody version of Runaway Bunny. How good is it, you ask? It's about a little mummy who turns into various horrible monsters to try to get away from his mummy, who in turn turns into horrible monsters and, and captures him. But uh, my favorite part is where he does the most terrifying thing of all. He threatens to turn into a little bunny who plays, uh, who does takes karate and learns to play piano. She finds that horrifying. Um, and she says, okay, well, if you do that, and then it shows this scene of them clearly in the green room... <laughs> With her busting through, uh, terrifying the yuppie parents, and, uh, it's just a, it's just a delightful book. Oh, and I love this. The parents even have, like, a little book they've been reading called Best Colleges Ever. Uh, (laughs) it's just So wait, how does it end? Unfortunately, it ends very sweetly, um, with the little, (laughs) the little mummy, uh, no, it does, the last line is pretty good, which is, you can let me go now, mommy, which is, Oh, it's not have a carrot. It should, um, yeah, what would it be for a mummy? Like, have a bone. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's still, it's still pretty sweet at the end, but, but that's okay. We forgive it because it is, it is sort of pointing out some of the problems with the book. Cool. Yeah. Now that'll give you some context for rating time! Well, I was saying, when you, when you busted out the book and I saw the cover, I was like, no, this is a classic. I mean, Oh, I, funny. Like, the cover, I've seen it a million times. Huh. I know the title. That is a classic. I thought we were going to do something that is that shouldn't be a classic. Right. And then reading it as an adult. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. This is so not a classic. I mean, I read both of these to my kids. The problem was I read them in the wrong order. I read Runaway Mummy first. And of course, if you read Runaway Mummy first and then you follow it up with Runaway Bunny... Yeah. There's no comparison. I right. mean, I clearly did it in the wrong order. They're going to remember the monsters. Right. They're not going to be that great at remembering the slow, quiet mommy book. I don't know. I think if you, even if you did it the other way around, they would still remember the mummies more than... I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, probably. More than a bunny being in a mountain or a bunny right. being in a... Whatever. Yeah, they liked it fine. I don't think if you quizzed them on it, because this was a week ago, if you quizzed them on it, they would not remember having read it, I suspect. Okay, so for Goodnight Moon, we both rated that a 7.5. Really? Yeah. That's high. All right. It, it yeah. is high. All right. That sure. is definitely a classic. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not a classic. I would agree. So I'm, uh, I see issues with it. Mm. Not, you know, they're not. They're... <laughs> They're not like uh, Berenstain Bears and the Bully issues. It's not Love You Forever. It's not Love You Forever. I mean, Love You Forever, that's sort of the basement. I don't know. Bully, the Bully book is pretty bad, too. Okay, the Bully book, yeah. Yeah, but we're talking like mother, overbearing mother books. Yeah. 
So I, I'm going to go with like a 3.5. Man, I was going to do a 3.52. You know, I'm actually going to no, go... No, no, that would make sense. If you do a 3.52, right. because then both because Margaret then... Wise Brown books, right. we gave the same rating. Well, there you go. All right, then. 3.5! Not a classic. Not a classic. Now, to all those of you who are like, these are two jaded individuals who don't understand the love, the unconditional love between a mother and I mean, her child. I, I would say... I can't speak as a mother, but you right. can. Sure I can. And, and you can uh, tell them they're wrong. I'll, all I have to tell them <laughs> is this. Yeah, my kids deserve better than this book. There's better mother love books out there. I could name a whole slew of them. Like Runaway Mummy? Uh, yeah, quite frankly. That's actually kind of a sweet book uh, when you get to the end. So, yeah. Runaway Bunny, you had a good run. Ah. See what I did there? Ah. You just hopped right to it. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> Turns the about look, fair play. Oh, there's the like... look on like, your face just, just fell. went... Boom. Oh. Just closed down. Oh. That's... Yeah. That's not good. Oh, well. All right. Letters time. Boop, 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 boop. Just one. Um, this one comes from our, our dear pal and, uh, and the fellow who was on one of our... One of our podcasts with millions of cats, James Kennedy. Oh, James Kennedy. He was uh, he was catching up on the old episodes there. He just listened to the Ferdinand one, and he says, in no uncertain terms, the movie is good. You should watch it with the kids. Mine loved it. So there we go. A defender of the Ferdinand movie, which I had heard. I mean, it didn't get nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, so. lots of things get nominated for Oscars. I don't know. I should not be so mean to it because it was written by Tim Federley. Tim Federley, of course, uh, author of such good children's books as Better Nate Than Ever. He has uh, he did the book for Tuck Everlasting on Broadway, and he wrote the script for Ferdinand. So I should not judge. I should actually watch it, I suppose. Fine. Okay. That was really it. Oh. Uh, in terms of lives, we didn't, we didn't have that much. So, uh, grown-up things we like. So, so if people want to send us more letters. Oh, yes, if you wanted to send us a letter, uh, you could do so quite easily at fusekate8 at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. I like letters. I like them a lot. I enjoy it when people uh, let us know what they're thinking. My favorite are the ones where they tell you you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, due to the fact <laughs> I'm not wrong anymore, guess we won't be getting any more of those. Sorry, kiddo. Right. Yeah. It's all right from here on in. <laughs> Everything's looking like Betsy. So anyway, grown-up things. Everything's coming up, Betsy. I totally said that wrong. That's okay. Okay. Grown-up things. So it's really funny that you did a bunny book. Yeah, I did do a bunny book. Because my grown-up thing is also a bunny book. I see what was. It's, it's, I just got this in the mail today. A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo. It's, uh, <sighs> it's... Written by Marlon Bundo. Uh, <laughs> um, if you know the TV show Last Week Tonight with John I Oliver, I love Last Week Tonight on with John HBO. Um, you should check out. You can even if you don't have HBO, you can see the clip on. They're on, on YouTube. Uh, YouTube. Almost entirely. Yeah. 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 And he <laughs> he made a children's book. Sort of. He didn't actually write it. If you'll notice, he's, well, no. he's not. He's not the author of it. But uh... but I. <sighs> It's about Mike Pence's bunny, who John Oliver is like, I can't say anything bad about that bunny. That is a brilliant bunny. It's the most, it's a, it's handsome, a great name. It's a great it's, name. It's, it's a, a handsome name. looking bunny. Yep. You can't be, go wrong with that bunny. But, um, because Mike Pence is not a big fan of the LGBT community. Not as such. Um, 
to say it lightly, um, they they made this book the day before Mike Pence's daughter was going to come out with a book very similar yes. um, about the bunny, right? except this book is about a bunny that falls in love with a male bunny. A male bunny that falls in love with a male bunny. Yes, two yes. male bunnies that fall in love and want to hop forever until the evil stink bug who is in charge of all the animals says that boy bunnies can't marry boy bunnies. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you have some qualms with it. Okay. But we're not talking about you. Ah. We're talking about how awesome this book is. And I, I really, I love the illustrations. I think they're really well done because they're watercolor. And I am really bad at watercolor. And I love the little, like, the, the characters like Bunderson Cooper, you know, and Wolf Blitzer's a wolf. And I just think, oh, I just think it's so pretty. And it's funny. You got they these, got a very good artist for it. Yeah, the, the, these two boats. You know, like, there's jokes here and there. I, and I think it sends a really good message about voting. <laughs> and the importance of voting. <laughs> and also the importance of your friends loving you for who you are. Um, and that different is not bad. Different is special. And I think... If you grow up thinking that different is bad and you see this book and you realize, oh, maybe different isn't a bad thing. It just means I'm special. And, oh, man, I I like this book. And money uh, it, that goes towards this book goes towards the Trevor Project, which helps LGBT youth, uh, which is very important. So I recommend this book. All right. If folks want to buy the book, I recommend you buy it from your independent bookstore. As you may recall, the rollout of this book was done poorly, where you could only buy it through Amazon. No independent bookstores were allowed early copies. They were informed by Chronicle Books that they would not be trusted with it to hold on to the secret before the release of the information on the John Oliver show. Never mind that they have been very good at all other books ever. Uh, so only Amazon was able to sell it. So do not buy from Amazon, people. Buy it from your local independent bookstore if you have one. If you don't have one nearby, buy it online through an independent bookstore. You can find one pretty easily. Or wait till it goes to your library and check it out. Yeah. Or if you want a similar book about uh, two creatures possibly of the same gender, possibly not, getting married, I uh, highly recommend Worm Loves Worm by J.J. Austrian, in which two worms want to get married, and no one can figure out if they're a boy and a girl worm, or a boy and a boy worm, or a girl and a girl worm. They're wearing a weird combination of boy and girl outfits, but it, no one, and, and there's animals that are saying like, no, it's like a boy married a girl, what are you? And the worms are like, yeah, we're not totally sure, and it's awesome. That's so cool. it's a good one too, it's a good one too. But I like that the money goes towards the yeah uh, no no the no that was a that's that so. was very good that he did that yeah yeah and uh, and I love everything John Oliver so yeah. yay um, grown up things we like uh, I read a very grown up uh, graphic novel so I was recently on a committee where I had to read grown up graphic novels which I very rarely do um, and I had to read them from they were published last year. And so here's my question to you. Are you familiar with the case of Leopold and Loeb? Okay, this was a Chicago thing. So I wondered, because you're a little more Chicago than I am. But and I only got here last year. I know, so. I know, I know. And uh, I had not heard of them either. Um, but I asked my husband, he was like, of course. So I was like, okay, fine. 
As true crime stories go, they are very famous. Apparently, way back in the day. Wait, are you talking about the two girls who have a podcast? No! Oh, I oh boy, no. No, no, no. I got no, we're talking about the serial killer, sweetie pie. Oh! <laughs> yeah, except not really. I mean, there was uh, these two rich guys. Um, they And I'm unclear if just one was Jewish, both were Jewish. But they were these rich boys, and they murdered uh, a 15-year-old boy. Um, hid the body, well, disfigured it, hid the body, were caught, um, and successfully were not executed, but were just sent to jail for the rest of their lives, essentially. Um, and the story, the hunting accident, is a, is a true story, and this is a story- The what? The hunting accident. Oh. So this is a true story about a boy whose father was blind, and he tells the story to his son of, of what happened. He, he got blinded in a botched robbery. Um, and he, he was shot in the face, he was blinded for life, he was sent to prison, and his roommate was, uh, Leopold, <laughs> of Leopold and Loeb. And how, as it turned out, Leopold actually helps the guy learn Braille, um, learn how to navigate his world, um, do, you know, do all this stuff, because he's determined to kill himself, and Leopold will only help him if he reads... Dante's Inferno in Braille entirely on his own. If he can do that, then he will help him commit suicide. And it's a really weirdly touching book for all did that it's... Did he actually help him in real life? Yes, apparently he did. It act... It's why the man got... Uh, his... Why his wife left him. Because she didn't know he'd ever been to prison. And then he gets a letter from Wait. Leopold at home saying, So how you doing? And she's like, How do you know him? And he had to confess he'd been to prison, he hadn't been open with her, and they got divorced, and... Yeah. Oh, so the guy didn't commit suicide? No. Uh, spoiler alert, he, he had a son who, in turn, wrote this thing. But yeah, all the files uh, are in Chicago Public Library about these guys, and it's just fascinating. It's good Chicago history. It's and it's good, a graphic novel. It's a graphic novel. Called? Uh, the Hunting Accident. The Hunting Accident. A True Story of Crime and Poetry by David L. Carlson. Interesting. Good times. Huh. All right. Mine's a lot sweeter. Yeah, yours had bunnies. <laughs> Mine had bunnies. And he's got a bow tie. I mean, come on. He does have a bow tie. And not red eyes. That's my favorite part. He does not have red really, eyes. That was your favorite part? No. I was on a scale of all the things you liked. No. And you were like, number one. I mean, comparing no it eyes. to the runaway bunny. Which, on the cover, I see no red eyes either. Yeah. Too yeah. creepy. <laughs> Too realistic. Yeah. That's your problem with it. Alright. I didn't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like anything. I'm Kate. I'm Betsy. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse 8. That's Fuse and 8. E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Givens Kime, and our exotic Marigold timeshare consultant is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.